Alrighty, folks, we are at the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce mayoral debate. It's going to step off in just about 20 minutes. And, of course, beforehand, we do what we do, and that's bring people to the microphone to talk to you about the issues facing the city. And joining us now is Christopher Staywise. He is the director of American Medical Resources. No? Response. Response. There we go, because they're an ambulance company. I knew the R stood for something, but AMR, they've been busy boys these days and and girls with the uh, opioid crisis here in the state of New Hampshire, or in particular the city of Manchester. Chris has been on the front lines of this fight, so we thought we'd uh, ask him a few questions. Chris, if you'd like to take a moment to introduce yourself and your company, that'd be great. Thanks, Rich. Uh, Well, as you said, we're American Medical Response, the emergency ambulance provider for the city of Manchester. And just a little uh, background on myself, I've I've had the privilege of uh, running the uh, emergency medical services here in in Manchester for a little over 20 years. Uh, So I've, I've been here for a long time. I've seen a lot of things, and I can certainly tell you that I've never seen anything like this. Not even close. Really? Uh, so what, what exactly is it that you're seeing? Help us understand this, all, you know, this, this Narcanning, this overdose thing. Uh, what, what are you seeing? Really, I would say there's three things I, I've seen. Um, one is obviously the opioid overdose and the number of people that are uh, addicted to not only opioids, but a number of other substances that are out there as well. There's methamphetamine. There's, there's uh, uh, you know, a tremendous, it's an ever-changing landscape from that standpoint. Um, second of that is mental illness. A lot of these things coexist. We've got, uh, we deal with more mental illness uh, now than we ever have. It's, it's probably about 40% of the volume that we deal with. Now, how, how do you determine that? I mean, and I, I guess I, I don't understand when you say you're dealing with mental illness. Is that hand in hand with this opioid crisis or the drug overdoses, or is that an entirely separate thing? It, it is really hand in hand. Most of the folks who are suffering from addiction will have a coexisting condition of mental illness. It may be the reason that they get into addiction, or it may be the reason um, uh, mental illness may come along with the addiction. But regardless of that, there's a number of people who... Uh, so it could who, be a cause or, an, or a result. Correct. Uh, and the third point is is homelessness. There are a tremendous amount of homeless people in this community, uh, and oftentimes the ambulance uh, and the fire department are their first line of medical care. Uh, they have no other. So it's it's uh, it certainly taxed the resources of the city. Um, it's uh, also brought a lot of the city departments and a number of other really great agencies uh, in the city together, uh, much closer than they ever have been before to to work to combat this uh, this uh, scourge. But um, we do what we do. We'll keep doing it, and uh, our job is to keep people alive and get them into treatment, and that's what we're going to do. So, how is it? How is it sort of strained your resources in terms of providing services? If you had to add uh, ambulances or personnel, how how do you deal with it from a financial point of view? Because I'm assuming, you know, the Narcan that you use and all the other stuff it ain't free. That's true. Um, one of the most critical things that we think about is the availability. Obviously, we've added uh, what we call unit hours to the system to, to make up for that, but also our ability to do other things like training, for instance. Uh, you know, we still have to respond to the heart attacks and the childbirths and the motor vehicle crashes and keep up with the technology on, uh, you know, uh, treating people with, uh, with heart disease and whether uh, what new, new uh, ways to do that are out there. And just the Safe Station program alone has added uh, almost 2,000 calls to our annual uh, response zone. So that's 
that's a lot of additional work on a workforce that's already seeing some very um, some really sad things every day. Uh, you know, we, we've had to deal with compassion fatigue. Our, our folks have used the, uh, the uh, employee assistance program more this year than they ever have before. Um, it, it is a very um, tough environment to work in. So are, 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 you, are you physically adding to the number of ambulances that you have or the number of people that you have working, or are you sort of constrained to work within the limits of a contract no, uh, that you have with the city? That's actually the nice part about this particular contract. We can flex uh, to add or subtract based on demand, and we run demands on a regular basis. So you know, we feel really, really good about our ability to respond. Um, what, we, what we have a hard time doing is finding time to do the other things that we normally would do from a training standpoint uh, to fit those all into that, you know, 160 hour a week, 168 hour a week block of time that's mm-hmm. there. So, uh, it, but we do it. Gotcha. So what do you want people to know about what you do and what they can do as this um, opioid battle continues? Well, I'm obviously a big fan of safe stations. Um, I think that uh, this community stepped up and did something when nobody else could or did. Uh, or, you know, we had to do something. There was no question about that. People were dying on the streets. We've managed to cut the death rate uh, by upwards of 40% uh, in just a year. Uh, we've had more overdoses, but we have more people that are alive and able to be uh, gotten into treatment. So I, I encourage people, if they're suffering from uh, an addiction of any type or they know somebody who's suffering from addiction, to, to make them aware of the Safe Station program, get them into treatment, get them help, uh, and, and we'll take care of the rest. All right, Chris Daywise. Director of American Medical Response, Manchester's Ambulance Company. Thank you for taking a few minutes with us this morning to talk about the opioid crisis uh, here in the Queen City and beyond. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, one a really quick question, though, because AMR is a big company. It is. Is the problem here worse in Manchester than other communities that you serve, like not just in New Hampshire, but maybe even across the country? Unfortunately, it is. New Hampshire is the second uh, highest opioid overdose per capita uh, in the United States. And um, I've, I've uh, been given the title of the opioid guru for AMR nationally. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's a good thing personally, but uh, I, I unfortunately deal with it more than any of my counterparts across the country. So, you know, they look to me for uh, statistics and, uh, and mm-hmm. um, you know, cutting edge technology like safe stations uh, to bring across the country. So do you have any uh, reason, uh, any what what? What makes us so so special that we're like ground zero for this nationwide? Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question. Uh, there's a lot of people a lot smarter than me that haven't figured that out, and uh, you know we provide the data to them. But on any given day, it's uh, it's it's maddening sometimes to try and figure out what's driving this whole thing and, and what makes it go the way it does. Well, it certainly hasn't been for lack of effort on behalf of the city or AMR or anybody That's else. In, in the, all right, now we can say goodbye. Chris right. Daywise, we appreciate you being with us here. Thank you. This morning on the Draw Large Radio Show. All you know, right, folks. You know, Rich, um, John DePietro is still with us. Still here. And just to uh, um, continue on on the opioid issue, this is going – this is be- – becoming and going to continue to be an increasing issue in the schools. You know, I was in at Parker Varney last week talking to Amy Allen, and it, she brought up a point that I had never even thought of before, but she said that they're starting to see sort of the leading edge of children entering the school system who were born addicted to heroin. Yes. And they're dealing with massive behavioral issues. And it just occurred to me that there's going to be a five or six year lag between 
you know, the, the, yeah. the opioid issue and its effect that we're going to see on the school system. So they're starting to see it now. It's going to get a lot worse over the next five or six years in terms of the, the drag that we're going to see on the school system as a result of this. Yeah, and it's... Um we have actually started to, you're right, we have started to see that they've been, those kids have been, uh, God bless them, have been coming into the system for about the last year, year and a half. And it starts in preschool. And that's yep. the thing. Yep. It, it's not starting in kindergarten or first grade. These kids will be what are called identified because they're uh, developmentally delayed or otherwise uh, uh, developmentally challenged because of being born to uh, uh, drug addicted. And emotionally challenged. Uh, and that's going to present the, uh, the schools uh, everywhere with, a, with uh, some very real issues and challenges. And I don't know that we have an answer to that yet. Yeah. And well, it's, it's going to be hard. Yeah, I, I will say that I, I've had conversations with uh, a person who's actual, actually a behavioral consultant and an expert in some of these matters, and uh, she has grave concerns over uh, the way a lot of the way a lot of the policies are being implemented in Manchester mm -hmm. uh, from a behavioral standpoint, and. Uh, I'm going to be having more conversations with her uh, along those lines to find out what the re recommendations are for uh, implementing some changes. Right. And, uh, of course, you know, the, the, there was a report done about the city of Manchester schools, a demographic report, but I think it was called the Center for New Hampshire, the New Hampshire Center for Policy Studies or, or some such thing. But at the time this report was released, which I want to say was probably four years ago now, yeah. at the time, uh, I think it was 37% of all of the children born in the city of Manchester were to um, uh, single mothers on Medicaid, yep. which is an impoverished socioeconomic de demographic and hardly an ideal family situation. Now you add on to that, and it's probably uh, part of that demographic, all of the kids born with some, uh, some level of addiction. Yeah. And uh, this is going to present not just the schools, but society as a whole with um, an entire an entire subset of people who are going to need lifelong uh, services and care. Right. Um, and this is a, a major consequence of this epidemic. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, um, earlier, who was it? Um, I think it was Bill Barry was uh, was talking about how all of the services that we have in Manchester, uh, you know, attract yep. some of the addicted uh, people here to, yep. to get those services. I'm sure you're aware the Smarter Balance numbers were released by the state over the last couple of days. Yep. People are commenting on that, and they're trying to compare scores, not just between Manchester and surrounding towns, but between schools in Manchester. And I think it's important to point out that Test scores are not purely a function of the quality of the teacher and the quality of the curriculum. It's They're a test a or the condition of the kid. The condition of the kid. What's their home life? What's their socioeconomic situation? Are uh, they I, uh, an English language learner? All of those things need to be factored in. So, you know, we've been talking... Uh, almost incessantly about Parker Varney and the good things that they're doing over there, their test scores were not all that great. Um, but it's important to point out that... Well, their smarter, test their smarter balance test scores weren't all that great, but when you take a look at the scores that they've been using internally, they've seen some meteoric rises. Absolutely.
All right, I don't want to cut you off, but we're going to because coming to the microphone now is Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce President Michael Skelton. He is the uh, the guru over this event this morning, although I'm sure he'd say it was Carolyn. Is that Carolyn. a good title or a bad title? Uh, well, I don't know. Guru is guru. It means you are above all others, <laughs> except maybe God. I don't know about that. Yeah, we'll make, yeah. You, we'll make yeah. you the guru, not the God. So, uh, Mike, uh, I don't remember the last time we've seen this much interest in a mayoral debate. I think maybe two years ago came two pretty close. Two years ago was pretty close. Yeah. 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 So uh, talk to us. What are, what are the chamber members uh, saying about this mayoral race in the state of the city and what, they, what they're hoping to see? Well, I think, uh, you know, anytime you have a race as close as it was two years ago, it amps up the level of interest two years later. And I think, uh, you know, we, we don't endorse candidates. We provide information on issues. I think everyone's interested about the vision of the city. There's a lot of great things happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, there's also some challenges. And so I think everyone's tuning in to see um, you know, what each candidate's vision is for the next chapter. And of course, everyone expects it to be very close again. So I think that's really why we sold out basically a week and a half in advance. Gotcha. So, so talk to me about um, the city. You're the president of the Chamber of Commerce. I have a company I'm looking to locate, uh, re relocate. Um, pitch me on the city of Manchester. Well, I would start by, before we got on the phone, I would send you about 10 articles that have been published over the last six months, all talking about the rebirth of Manchester. And they're all very positive stories about how the mill yard is really driving economic growth, innovation, entrepreneurship. And every company that I talk to that's looking to do business in Manchester, the reason where they're getting on, Manchester's getting on the map is they hear about all the exciting things happening in the mill yard. They hear about Oracle. They hear about Dean Kamen's Army Initiative. They hear about the high-tech sector. And they get in there and they see the ecosystem. They see the activity. They see the young people downtown. It's an exciting place to be. So the question, I think, as a city is how can we capture that? How can we nurture that? How can we grow that? Um, those things don't happen by accident. They take time. They take some infrastructure around it. So we need to make sure we keep the right ingredients in place to, uh, to keep that ecosystem running. Gotcha. So, um, you know, I had a great question in my head and it just fell out. <laughs> well, in about two minutes, I've got to go open the program. You've got to go open so, the program and we don't want to hold you back from that. But, you know, so there's a lot going on here. What, what do you see as a, as a chamber as the things that are necessary to build on that momentum and, and make sure it's going? I mean, is it is it more housing downtown? Is it uh, more retail? Is it more parking? Is it and, you know, there's more to the city than just the downtown, too. So what are the uh, things yeah. that you think the city needs to focus on to, to you know, continue this uh, rebirth, the seeds of which were planted many years ago? Um, there's a lot. I'll, two quick things. I think, one, we need to, um, it's a little more intangible, focus on our branding and messaging outside of the city. Yeah, that would be nice. Not enough people. We have, <laughs> we have, we have too much of a stigma of being a city with challenges that I think is unfair and untrue. Um, so I think we need to focus on getting the message out about what's happening here in Manchester. And I think that's already started to happen. And then just the business climate and all the things that go into that, making it easy so that when anyone who wants to do business goes to City Hall, they can get exactly what they need. There's certainty and predictability. That'll lead to a lot of good outcomes. Thanks, Rich. Mike Taylor, appreciate it. Hold on. i got to get a good picture of you so we can put it up on the Facebook page and on the uh, archive of the interview. I got some really great ones of you talking, but I'm not sure you'd appreciate them. <laughs> That's Mike Skelton, uh, president of the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce. All right. So, John, we're a thriving city. What say you? I, well, I think we are in, in, in many ways. As a matter of fact, we were going, it, it's interesting as I was listening to, to him talk, I was thinking about a conversation I just had yesterday. I was going door to door with uh, Vice Chair Art Beaudry, and uh, we had 
quite a long conversation with one gentleman who works for Colby Sawyer College. and Up in New London. Yeah, he yeah. had, uh, and he lives right, right in Ward 6, but he had some serious concerns about the workforce. Yeah. And he mentioned um, the same things that were just mentioned, uh, the, you know, Army Initiative and, and all of the high tech here in Manchester. And, you know, he has a, a serious concern about whether or not we're going to be churning out enough qualified workers to fill mm -hmm. all of those jobs. Um, well, and that could be a, a, a problem in the entire state of New Hampshire because yeah. the number of kids in the state has dropped dramatically in the last, last decade, school-age yeah. kids, as uh, the state undergoes a demographic uh, disaster known as gentrification. Yeah, and, and I mean, frankly, I mean, there are workforce issues across the country, um, but as you just said, I think they're a little exacerbated here in New Hampshire by... The, uh, you know, the fact that a, a lot of long, young people are moving out. Yes, they are. So, uh, folks, we are here uh, with the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce for its uh, mayoral debate as a national public radio reporter. Uh, let me see. I've, I'm up to three times now, the, the number of times that, uh, three, the number of times that uh, Joyce Craig has walked by this table and pretended that we don't exist, turning <laughs> our back to us all three times. Uh, Alderman Kevin Cavanaugh did the same thing. He has been invited to debate his rival, Christopher Stewart, on this radio show. He has yet to respond. Bob O'Sullivan has accepted an invitation to debate, but Will Stewart, his candidate, his uh, opposition, has yet to respond. In the House here are any number of uh, dignitaries. Uh, former Manchester Mayor Raymond Wazorik is here, as is former Mayor Bob Baines. There are several aldermen and school board members, no doubt in search of a free uh, breakfast. Uh, probably not. Oh, there's Democratic Party stair, uh, State Chair Ray Buckley. Uh, also turning his nose to the other direction as he walked by. I know, John, did you not shower or something this morning? Uh, don't blame this on me. Uh, there you go. But uh, nonetheless, we've had any number of people come to our microphones as the, uh, and talk to uh, you, our large and loyal listening audience. Garth Corabo was very pleasant when he walked by. I didn't get a chance to grab him and, and uh, ask him if he wanted to talk. But we're three minutes away from the top of the hour. Josh, I'm going to have you run the station ID now. WLMW 90.7 FM. It's uplifting and powerful, and it's a good message all around. New Hampshire and we should radio. be back. Just a good station to listen to. <laughs> that way we won't have to interrupt the program once it gets started. Mike Skelton, the uh, uh, president of the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce, is coming to the microphone. John, I want to thank you for uh, taking some time to be with us here this morning. Thank you, Rich. I know you almost didn't get a word in edgewise, <laughs> but the words you did get in were good words. Thanks. And uh, we, we join the uh, program now at the diocese, Mike Skelton, president of the Greater, Cham uh, Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce. 